You are listening to episode 173 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I am joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody, here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we step into the ring and bring the pain in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Yeah. I almost forgot. Um, cause I mean, this one we played after we recorded last time, which was nice. And I almost forgot we played this for a second. I was like, what is he talking about in the ring? Bring the pain. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Now I can tell the viewers. You remember actually, brother. Well, it's not it really that guy. Up. No, no, he's not in there. I was no. trying to come up with like a good intro thing. Cause like, I always like to, to let, you know, uh, observant play or observant players, observant listeners. Uh, can you be observant listening? attentive listeners yeah, i guess yeah. is the better term mm-hmm. uh you know try to interpret the game i'm talking about from i actually saw one earlier i was kind of going back through and looking at some of my good ones i had the we celebrate 40 years of eating the dead for pac-man i thought that <laughs> one was clever but that, uh that yeah clever. trying to come up with a wrestling one that wasn't like I don't want to say that it's like this specific wrestler or this specific wrestling franchise or whatever, because it's, it's really none of them. It's just pro wrestling for NES. It kind of predates all of that stuff. Yeah. It? So I do a hundred percent. And, um, well, no, not hundred percent. I mean, this, let's see, it came out in 87. WWE was out back then fairly certain there was other wrestling well, okay like, well i, NWA I have such. a very poor idea of what timelines are like in real life <laughs> i mean i i watch wrestling so i know some of these things you do yeah that's true yeah i do so but no man like we'll, we'll talk about a little more in the episode but pro wrestling on the nes uh this was a blind inflation deflation challenge so i literally just weighed my finger around a giant shelf until i pulled the game off and kind of sucks because like the first game we found was what was it um it was like eggs it was an egg one oh God, it was the so... one with the dance pad yeah the nes power pad. pad yeah power pad ryan a uh, dance pad come on don't diss nintendo like that well, that's so what yeah it was... most of those things for is dancing ddr i know do I you know, have ddr but... pads i do actually dude do you have uh what was it the ddr on the wii i had that one and i played the hell out of it i actually think i do have the one on the wii <laughs> dude we gotta do i got that. the ps2 ones but i'm would you do so... any of them i love ddr i, I hate ddr with a passion. I was Absolutely playing with your friend it. at your bachelor party. I, I don't remember which one, but I'm sure you did very well with them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we didn't get to play with the power pad that week. So we're going to figure that out. Most of it was just because my Nintendo or my NES wasn't Retron. And we were playing on the Retron. It just wasn't available. Retron on there. wouldn't like, take it. Yeah, it wouldn't dump the ROM on there. So, yeah, for those that don't know about that, the Retron 5 dumps a ROM and then plays it based off that. And that's usually how it works. And so it just isn't compatible with some of those um, power pad games. All right. So uh, let's start the week with our pickups. So, Ryan, I finally got my Elden, like limited edition or not limited edition, but like pre-release special ring from Elden Ring. So I have the Elden Ring cool. from GameStop. And then I got my copy of the Elden Ring collector's edition on PS5. Good condition. And no issues? No, no issues. Not that I noticed. And um, I will unbox it with you next week. We'll record it, put it on Twitter or something. And uh, I still don't have a PS5, so it's going to it's gonna get unboxed. The statue is going to come out. It'll probably replace the Biomutant statue that I have up right now. And 
a much yeah. more worthy piece. I would I would agree. That or it'll sit next to Sekido and Banjo-Kazooie. I'm not sure yet because I have a Banjo-Kazooie plush that I got so, right Christmas. I actually want to ask you a collector question, John. So, like, you have ample room now for your collection. You're really at no in for when you're going to be next constrained for, you know, adding shelf space or whatever. You can That's really debatable. expand from where you're at. Um, so things like that, the bio mutant, like you got the collectors, you got the statue, you played the game, you weren't really into it. Like, mm-hmm. is that one that you're like, you're not even really appreciating it. It's just going to be in the box. Is that worthy of sitting on top of your shelf? Or is that something you're going to like kind of check in on every once in a while and cash in eventually? Well, I mean, I, while I wasn't a huge fan of bio mutant as a whole, the statue is a really nice piece and it was a good quality collector's edition and I thought it was cool art style. So I have the actual, the statue that came with it is sitting, you know, within the game room area or loft and I already intended on swapping things out. So I think, I don't know if I still have, no, I still have it up. I have uh, streets of rage Four. I have the statue up for that as well, which is also a very high quality piece. So realistically it just kind of goes based off of my my preference in regards to like art style and then just kind of switching things out every now and then like i have uh one of the statues i have up is from uh was it last guardian Mm -hmm. yeah and so that's that's what i have up as well and i intend on switching that out at some point in time so it's not necessarily like one game was bad and i don't want to have that statue up it's just you know swap it out every now and then yeah, uh, so that's that's my intention. On, yeah, that's my intention on that. And I'll put it in the box. I'll keep it protected. And if I ever want to swap it out down the road again, I can. Um, but yeah, I have a number of statues. And that's not to say that I won't get like more glass cases and stuff down the road and put statues in glass cases. But as of right now, that's kind of my stance on it. So I have like five, five statues in one shelf right now that stay up. And then I've got my Sekido one, which I have no intentions of taking down at any point. And I've got a couple like Batman statues in the bathroom. Uh, and then I've got in my guest bathroom. And then I've got, um, I think, a Harley Quinn or Batman statue uh, sitting in one of my glass cases as well. And also, I do have a um, Luigi's Mansion statue from Club Nintendo several years back. That one actually stays in the box. I don't take that one out. Mm. So I just have like the nice pretty green box that it comes with. And uh, it has like the year of Luigi on it. Cool. So that, that sits in the case. So lots of cool stuff. But yeah, that's usually how I go with it. Uh, in addition to the collector's edition, I also picked up some magic cards because there was a few that I needed left for the burn deck. So I've got those ready to go. Unfortunately, I'm probably not going to get to play it before the new set comes out, uh, which kind of sucks. But, you know, based on what I'm seeing in the new set, I think burn is going to stay relevant uh, in that new set because it's really focusing on multiple like three colors for this new set and I don't know how much that's really going to get picked up. And I mean, when you're playing multicolored decks like that, there's a risk for like not hitting your mana. So I think burn is going to be a very good uh, matchup with a lot of those cards moving forward. So we'll see how that plays out, but I'm excited to get back into some magic. It's been a couple weeks since I played and uh, it'll probably be a couple more weeks because I'm, you know, not going to be able to go out there. I'm not so sure that I'm really even looking forward to this next set. Like, I feel like I've kind of gotten a lot of, you know, buying magic cards and haven't really gotten a lot of my money worth out of them yet, Mm -hmm. just because I haven't taken advantage of those opportunities as much. Um, So I might just sit this next set out for like 
buying a bunch of stuff. I did like the pre-release event we went to. I thought that was fun and getting like, you know, six packs to make a deck or whatever. That was fun. I would definitely do that again. Yeah, for, I mean, for sets should. that I don't really want to like buy into. And we should definitely do that again because at the end of the day, you're paying 25 bucks for a taste. Yeah, a taste of it and six packs and you're building a deck, you're playing a tournament, you're using the new cards and there's prize pool that's tied to it. And honestly, like I'd be open with this new set just drafting. So mm-hmm. like if you wanted to go to a draft every week or so or every couple weeks, I'm 100 percent down paying 15 bucks drafting, you know, a bunch of cards and potentially winning with those drafted cards like, yeah, that to me is a better point for this particular set coming up um what is it like new capina or something it's supposed to be like this mobster yeah i heard a little bit about it yeah it's like this neon artwork city with mobsters like it just doesn't seem as appealing to me Mm -hmm. and on top of that they're releasing it so close to kawigama that it's just kind of it's like a cash grab at that point as well i would say though you know there's a bunch of lands in that set so i'm gonna pick up you know play sets of lands that come out and just kind of, you know, have those on hand because a mana base is always the most important thing for magic. Um, and usually the most expensive outside of your big, like, you know, nasty creatures or nasty spells that kind of impact the game. Mana is always your next expensive thing. And I mean, it's tricolor lands with different abilities. I think it's it might actually like come in the field tapped and then you can like discard it to draw. I don't remember exactly, but there are multiple colors and it's worth picking up in that respect. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then as far as what I'm currently playing, dude, I beat Pokemon. Done nice. with it. So not done with it. I'll probably go back to it and catch more Pokemon and, and play it here and there. But yeah, like I'm done with the story mode. Um, you basically catch a couple legendaries at the end. Your character doesn't speak at all. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was pretty cool. It went from like this. Everything's happy go lucky into like this darker tone where the world's about to blow up. And it was just the oddest like change of pace for a game that I've seen in some time. Like it really did have that JRPG feel where it's Mm -hmm. like everything's kind of fine and dandy. And then this darkness looms over the world and shit just hits the fan. And now these heroes are going out and doing something about it. That's kind of how it felt, but it just, it turned so quickly. It was like, and and spoilers coming here. Like your character is cast out a Jubilee village. And it's because they think you're behind everything. It's like, Really? You, you think I'm behind everything? Turns out that the person that, you know, was like they're trying to put an end to you, essentially, at the end of the game, like the commander and the guy that like cooks mochi and stuff like potato mochi is like, oh, yeah, like I'm your enemy. Actually, I'm this secret ninja that's working under this commander this whole time. And now I'm going to stop you from, you know, destroying the world. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest transition, dude. Like I just couldn't get I couldn't get into that part of the game at all. Um, mm-hmm. but I still felt like for a Pokemon game, the battles were solid. Like I enjoyed every battle I did. Um, I enjoyed the evolutions, of course, I enjoyed going around catching Pokemon and filling out the Pokedex as much as I could. Uh, the legendaries were pretty sweet. The graphics are like the cinematic, like scenes are actually pretty badass. uh, towards the end there. Like I actually really did enjoy that. But for me, what, what kind of is the sticking point of this game and in, in terms of like a negative aspect is a lack of voice acting still, man. Like those scenes, like those actual scenes with like the legendary Pokemon and such would have been so much better if they had voice acting. Mm -hmm. Like it could have just been Japanese voice acting. Like, I don't care. It would have been so much better to have some voice acting in there. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, is it still fair in today's age to say that 
Nintendo probably does like some of the least amount of voice acting. Like I, I would think so to an extent. Yeah. Mario doesn't talk. Link well, doesn't does, talk. But he doesn't talk talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, like there's not like you're never going to have like a cut scene where there's like, you know, big talking with a lot of big Nintendo characters like that. I mean, I. I think it's one of those things that we would all love to see Nintendo kind of like step up and actually start doing, Mm -hmm. you know, some things that are more mainstream now. Like it's not it's not way back in the day when that was a regular thing to just have no you know, voice acting majority of the time. Well, and I understand from a budget perspective, it definitely slashes your budget quite a bit when you don't have to have these these voice actors coming in and doing work. But I don't know, man. I guess I can see from a financial standpoint where it makes sense for Nintendo to not do it because they're still selling millions of copies of their games, right? And mm-hmm. the budget hasn't really gone up any more than it has. So at the end of the day, it's like pay all these voice actors a bunch of money and then have it eat into our profit or we're still going to sell millions of games and no worries. Like we don't care. And I think that's the approach. And that's, I've talked about that in the past with Nintendo. Like while they're one of the most innovative companies, they're also one of the least innovative companies in that respect. Like they are not willing to like move beyond what they're like, they're good with and they don't want to like move out of that box. Right. Like Sony's always trying to push the bar as far as like graphics and voice acting and, you know, level design and all these other crazy things. And Nintendo is just kind of like, Hey, we're waiting for that next big gimmick that we can utilize for a console. Like hence, why is switch is apparently going to stay around a little longer than anticipated because they're waiting for that like next gimmick. Like this is obviously working. Why jump into something new when we've got something that works and I get it. But at the same time, it's not, it's not as consumer friendly, I guess, in a sense, it doesn't give us like something fresh from them. And it is getting a little stale to an extent with another Mario game, another Mario Kart, another smash bros. Like it's just the same thing. Every generation and while it while they do up it in terms of graphics, you know, each time they do it, that's only because they kind of have to in a sense. Well, so, I mean, I don't see that as being an issue. It's not like Call of Duty where it's another Call of Duty every year. Like people want to see a new Mario every generation because it's really, you know, setting the precedent of like, where the industry's going and like introducing new things and growing. Like, I mean, Nintendo, I I think that they justify enough of the differences between everything that they do between the games to really make them feel different and iterative and not just like churned out, except for maybe a little bit in the like 3d land era. Yeah. Well, and we'll get into a little bit more of that in our, uh, second article we're going to talk about regarding Mario Kart um, in like how to kind of changing things up and making a little fresh, which is honestly very much needed at this point in uh, Mario Kart's franchise um, or in a series of games. But enough about that. I see you did not have any pickups this week. So Nothing. what did you play? I, I played Elden cat. Ring. I played so much Elden Ring this week. I, um, I find Elden Ring to be very weird to play in a sense because like so i beat the first area boss and 
most of the time that I've spent since then, I've just kind of spent like running around, checking out different areas, trying to do some leveling. Uh, I got like a little bit of new gear here and there. Uh, I got a bunch of new spells, I think. Um, just trying to go different places on the map, fill out different things, took on some interesting bosses. Like there were two bosses that I did like, I couldn't beat the boss that I wanted to beat, which was this magma worm. He has this really dope int katana behind him. Mm -hmm. And in order to beat him, I went and beat this other boss first so that I could get a spell so that I could use like enchant my weapon with frost and fight him. And I ended up beating him and it was pretty good fight. Uh, I got the katana and it's awesome. So like, I'm just now like at least 10 levels later, I'm going back and trying to fight like the second main area boss. And she's really tough. Um, I added a, her name is Renala. She's like a, the first like two phase boss. Uh, the first phase was like, I was like, why is everybody saying this is hard? Like this is super not hard. Cause I had two friends that already gave up on fighting her to go somewhere else and grind or do something. Cause like, that's the thing. Like you'll hit these roadblocks and like, no matter what game it is in the soul series, like you could pretty much beat it naked level one if you're good enough. Yeah. So it's like, it's always just a measure of like how much margin of error you need for yourself. How much health do you need? How much stamina do you need? How much damage do you need to be able to competently take it down? So you can go off in this world and go just about anywhere. Like I know from watching a video this week that I could totally go on to like another huge major area if I wanted to and do a whole bunch of other stuff and come back to this later when it's not going to be as hard or I can just keep throwing myself against this wall over and over again until I break through it. So yeah that freedom and openness means that you know it took me the first like two days i'll say because the first day i spent all day and then gave up and restarted my character so it took me like two days to get to the point where i beat the first world boss now i've spent this whole week and haven't even been able to beat the second one because i've gone off and done so much else like there's so much to do in the world that you can kind of get lost in your objectives and goals and kind of forget what you're doing. And it's, it's really incredible in that way, how much you can just get sucked into the adventure and that souls driving like mechanic of always having to recover your stuff is kind of been driving me nuts. Cause it's like, as soon as you've got like, 8,000 runes. They're not souls. They're runes. As soon as you've got like 8,000 runes and you go and you're like, okay, if I kill this next boss, I should get enough runes that I can, you know, just about level up again. But as soon as you commit to fighting that boss, your runes drop in that boss room. So it's like, you can't just go off and do something else or you're yeah. going to lose those runes for sure. Like you have to keep throwing yourself at that boss over and over and make sure you collect them before you get knocked the hell out 
So yeah. that part, like, has been driving me nuts on a couple bosses where it's like, oh my god, I just have to keep running back into this room because I don't want to lose another 9k. Well, honestly, man, like, in the grand scheme of things with that game, 9k isn't too bad. Like, no. early on, it can be rough, but, you know, 9k in runes wouldn't wouldn't make or break me. Like, dude, I've lost a shit ton of I souls I mean, if you're, past. like grinding out like i've not really gotten to the point where i'm like okay where can i go to grind like i know that there's certain areas like and i know there's so spoiler alert for anybody out there um i don't even know the spoilers but there is this uh creature in the world that you can kill it's like a field boss and it'll give you like if you use like the item that nets you extra runes you can get like i think it's like 80k is like the max that i've read um and that's a ton like i'm at level 40 something high 40s like 46 mm -hmm. 47 i think um and the runes i need are like probably like 12 1300 something like that to level up so mm -hmm. that would be a ton of levels but you can't really find anywhere on the internet yet if this is a part of some like later quest line or not. And also, if if you don't kill the big field boss, it has like minions that it spawns around it that you can kill that are worth a lot. But as soon as you kill it, it stops spawning those minions. So it's like mm -hmm. you can either grind those out, which I don't know how hard they are, or kill this big field boss and get a ton of stuff. But it's like, I don't know, like... I can always get those runes later. Maybe I'll wait for the internet to collectively figure out if this is going to screw me out of something. Because it's like, I don't want to destroy some really cool opportunity that I'm 70 hours away from right now for a quick, you know, five levels. So it reminds me, our conversation reminds me of, I think it was Dark Souls 2 or 3. You go into like these dreamscapes and there's this one specifically where when you jump into it, there's like this giant and you're <clears throat> pretty much just kind of battling its legs, I guess, for the most part. And you have catapults of fire and stuff kind of hitting you at the same time. And so you could get like up to like two and three million souls. Like you just continue doing this pattern. So you equip yourself with a bunch of crap that like doubles up how many souls you get and whatnot. You kill off this giant. When a giant dies, you get like a hundred thousand souls or 200,000, whatever it was at the time you get killed by whatever has to kill you you go back into the dreamscape collect your souls kill the giant rinse and repeat the whole time oh yeah and yeah, so yeah. yeah so i remember just one time i had like a million or two million souls and was like all right cool like this is my final run and then i'll go level up fucking died oh, <laughs> before no. i could get to my stuff and so you know it's just yeah just the 9k comment just kind of like triggered me from like a crap ton of souls back then <laughs> like how brutal that was and it's not like i needed them it was just more so like i was just trying to like bamf up my character to be like a stupid level yeah and yeah so but dude i crushed that game that game was fun um so you should definitely look into that one and beating that down the road you should really just look into all the souls games and play them and beat them i mean i've done bloodborne you didn't beat it though right uh no uh -huh, i just have yeah, to fight the be... moon yeah. veil whatever and i didn't do the dlc i dude no, I the dlc just, is so much fun i didn't think that i could throw myself up against <clears> orphan <throat> of costs 
just didn't think that was going to be worth my time. Dude, you, you got to play the, all of them, like all of them. And Sekido is my favorite so far. Uh, see, Sekido is the one like I heard people talk about this and anybody that's not super familiar with the souls, I'll kind of fill you in real quick. So like the difference between like Elden Ring and Sekido and uh, the rest of the souls games, I think are more kind of in line is like how much options that you have to work around your problems. Like mm -hmm. in Elden Ring, there's so much different gear and different ways to attack situations, different angles to approach from because it's open world a lot. You know, you could go out of your way and get things early and, and do a lot of stuff. Whereas like in Sekido, you really only have one weapon. You really only have one way to do it. Like there's a tree that you can use to level stuff up, but that's all kind of all incidental because you can do it without, you know, changing. But it's like, you don't have the options to switch to a different weapon, change your, you know, stats, do all that kind of stuff. You're very limited. And I'm not good at like guard, block, repose, that kind of counterattack play with swords and stuff. So Sekido is just like so much harder for me to just do because you need to be good in that one way. <laughs> that is, you didn't even bring up lightning redirection. Yeah. Cause yeah. That, that's a Royal bitch. Um, that so that's why I kind of bounced off of that one. I think dude, Sekido was so good. It's by far my favorite. Like it, it honestly makes me want to go back into Neo and Neo too. So yeah, which I've heard that I, those are really hard. Yeah. Those are pretty difficult. I've got those at my disposal. I just, I think one of them was on uh PS plus. Yeah. Neo was, I've got both. Um, and I started playing Neo uh, one and I just it got kind of repetitive for me. And then I just couldn't beat one of the bosses right off the bat. And then other games came up and I just never finished it. It wasn't a game that I set out and was like, I'm going to like sit down and play this game. And like, this is a game I'm playing and grinding it out. There were other games I wanted to play. It was just like, let's play Neo. Let's see how far I can get. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point and I was like, eh, OK, I'm good. But I do need to revisit that one. And I mean, who knows when I'll get a PS5 and actually be able to play Elden Ring. So maybe Neo's where I get that taste of uh, that style of gameplay game because I haven't beat it. Um, and then as far as I'm trying to think what else we've got from a Soulsborne perspective. What's the anime one? I've got that, too. That oh, I, um, I forget its name. Game Grinder knows. Church knows yeah. all about it. I forget the name of the damn game, but I have it. It's anime Dark Souls, and apparently it's not as hard. So, all right. <clears throat> well, oh, there's like that, a new isn't there a new Salt and Sanctuary game coming soon, too? I don't know. Do you ever play Salt and Sanctuary? I'm pretty sure I started it and just never beat it. It just wasn't. It's like 2D. I, I wasn't a huge fan. The art style was I bounced off of. It's cool, but like it just isn't. I don't know. Something about it just wasn't a huge fan. I mean, I might play it down the road again at some point, but I just couldn't really get into it. I played a good, good number of hours and I, I remember enjoying it for the most part. And then it just kind of got like, it got to that point where it's just like, do I really want to keep playing this or move on to something else? Not like I got stuck in a boss or anything like that. It was, I think more so the level design components and the, the world building was just very weird to me mm -hmm. and kind of got confusing. I was like, I don't want to have to look at a map constantly mm -hmm. to figure out where the hell I'm going versus with dark souls and stuff. Or that is one thing. Series. You pull you up get... a map a lot in Elden Ring. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah, because well. it's like a giant world and you use a lot of fast travel. 
Well, I mean, like a flat open world map is fine, but when you're looking at like a, a level based map where you're like, yeah, try, like little points. you're more looking at like a Metroid map. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just not a huge fan of that map style um, versus, you know, an open world map is no issue for me usually because, yeah. you know, you could say, oh, OK, cool, like north, east, west, south. Like that's what about a, um, Horizon? I mean, that's Are you going to play that soon. Oh, yeah. Well, whenever I get a PS5, yeah, I intend to buy that. Well, you know, you can just get the PS4 version and then you get the free upgrade to PS5. Mm -mm. I need to play that on the PS5 straight out and get like the actual physical copy Mm. on that. I don't want to deal with upgrades and stuff. Serious thing. By the time I get a PS5, who knows if that upgrade will still be available? You know, so there's no sense because don't you have to like, you know, register on the ps5 and everything and no it's just they for every well i mean i don't know you have to register but it's free for everybody that buys yeah i just i just question how long that's going to be a thing so that's why i'm I'm just going to wait and like maybe down the road say it is still available when i get a ps5 then yeah maybe i consider again the ps4 version but i just don't see i think it just gives you license to both versions i don't know i'm not worried about it right now as much as i want to play those games i can't play them so just got to wait. They're still on there. St- see, that's the thing that I think people are missing out on. Like it is available on the PS five, but it's probably like one of the best PS four games ever made. And you've yeah, loved PS four games until now, but all of a sudden they're just not good enough. It's not like that. it's a weird it's... mentality when the next gen that is available that you can't even buy or play turns you off of playing. What's probably one of the best games on that console. It's not so much that it's the fact that I can take the graphic leap and get a game that's going to take that graphic leap. But by the time you get a PS5, there will be something newer and shinier. And that's fine because Horizon will be cheaper. (laughs) So, you know, maybe it'll be a game of year edition. It comes out. There's various factors that are tied to that. Like you're never going to have time to play Horizon on PS5 because you'll be playing Elden Ring for the rest of your life. No, dude, I won't be playing Elder Ring the rest of my life. I'll play it till I'm sick of it, which will probably be the rest of my life. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see. But I mean, at the end of the day, if I have the ability to choose between waiting several more months to take the graphics leap or play it on the older generation and play it now, I'm just going to wait, dude. Like I can be patient about it. It's as much as that impacts the sales of these cross gen titles. I don't know. I mean, they do it, obviously, because they don't want to piss people off. You know, if somebody especially now with the whole PS5 situation. But, you know, I'm I'm patient. I can deal with it. There are certain games. If I can buy it right away, I'll buy it right away. But this is one that as much as I've been dying to play this game, I can wait a little longer till I get that PS5. And I have a feeling I have a gut feeling when I get one here pretty soon. So we'll see. Well, this is a great transition into other people who have to wait to play games. But wait, Ryan, because first. People need to know where they can find us. The GameDeflators.com, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook, at Game Deflators on Twitter, and of course, the podcast app you're listening to now. Leave us a five-star review, six if you can, and then also subscribe to other podcast applications because, well, that's just cool. Yeah. So uh, that all said, Ryan, we are going to be talking about a, a couple things. So your segue saying gamers that cannot play games right now. That's the situation in Russia, apparently. <clears throat> so... Nintendo gamers in Russia just got locked out of digital game purchases. 
Uh, Mario Kart X has been leaked by a Nintendo Insider, so Mario Kart 10 technically, and a Nintendo Switch is about to hit its prime, according to uh, Joe Scrubbles at IGN. So, but let's start the first one here. Russia is locked out of digital game purchases, and this all stems back, Ryan, uh, to our conversations before regarding digital games versus physical games and being able to own the game versus not own the game and the accessibility of those titles. So this is Jay Peters at The Verge who wrote this. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? So, I mean, obviously, you know, our hearts go out to the people of Ukraine, and this is like a super awful situation. I mean, there's there's no way to really talk about like all that you know, here, but we'll talk about this part of it. So basically with some of the sanctions, a lot of people are not taking Russian money or doing transactions with Russia. So uh, Nintendo has put the Russian eShop into maintenance mode and is no longer having uh, access. And, you know, it's not just them. Uh, Xbox, Sony, uh, different titles, uh, CD Projekt Red, uh, stop selling cyberpunk. Well, EA uh, as well. Yeah. Has halted so sales. There's, there's been a lot of condemnation of these actions. And I mean, it, it does suck for, you know, some of the people in Russia that, you know, are losing access to these things. But I mean, this is kind of the thing we live in an interconnected world. And, you know, when something like this happens and, you know, you shut down, these online systems, you know, it's with, you know, they're trying to send a message. They're trying to do something good by doing this, you know, and, and put that squeeze on from all sides. So it's good to see that, you know, what we consider a lot of time to be super greedy people running these companies, you know, we talk about like Bobby Kotick and, and the heads of some of these places, uh, you know, they work their people into the ground. But, you know, at least when it comes to situations like this, you know, they do kind of stand in a united front with other, you know, leagues and other, you know, lines of business and stuff to try to have a, some kind of effect. So uh, some of it I do question, though, in how much are these companies doing this because they want to versus they kind of have to. And when I say have to, it's because, you know, say, for example, Burger King, right? Say Burger King jumps out and says, we're no longer going to serve, you know, Russian customers. We're shutting down our, our locations there, right? McDonald's looks bad now because McDonald's has locations. <clears throat> so the dominoes start to fall. Oh, well, Burger King did it. We have to do it now to save face because otherwise we're going to get backlash here in the U.S. or other parts of the globe. Same thing with these gaming companies, you know. Oh, Microsoft shut down sales? Well, we kind of have to shut down sales now too because then we're going to be condemned by our own audience and boycotted over these things and it's going to be a negative reaction. So, you know, I'm sure some of these corporations or some of these uh, CEOs and such are doing this out of the goodness of their heart and then others are likely doing it because well we kind of don't have a choice right now and we have to fall in line with the rest of the world and how they're handling this i would never accuse them of doing anything out of the goodness of their heart i i guess i was just trying to say that you know their greed has limits <laughs> it's a better way of putting it i don't think sense. anybody's trying to help anybody out really yeah that makes sense and 
you know, the interesting thing about it being in maintenance mode too, is like, it's not, I guess they can't buy games and whatnot. Um, but like how much of this is, you know, due to potentially the whole MasterCard and Visa thing as well, like moving out, like maybe those are just payment methods that aren't available. And hence they're gonna be like, you know what? We can't take those forms of payment. Now we have to put in maintenance mode and figure things out. I mean, how much of it? Is I mean, with the rapid fluctuations in, you know, the price of the currency too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how well, you know, their systems are attuned to account for inflation, but like yeah. if all of a sudden you're trying to charge, you know, the same amount for a game on the service, but the money is worth half as much. Yeah. You're effectively screwing yourself out of any real profit there. True. And, you know, I do wonder what they're going to do in terms of like internet access, right? Cause I know internet access, um, certain companies have stepped out and shut down their, their access out there as well. What are like Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo going to do in regards to like gameplay <clears throat> across the globe? Cause you, you would think that, you know, maybe you they've want... got a bunch of server farms hosting maybe. for peer to or not peer to peer, but like for, you know, access. But I'm thinking in terms of communication, like, you know, I know that they've shut down like Twitter over there and Facebook and other things that are kind of going this like, uh, what is it? Um, just closed in state media type of thing and, or state run media. And so I do question like, do Sony and Microsoft and like Nintendo keep the voice communication open? So that way a lot of these individuals can talk with folks outside of their own country. I, I kind of question if that's something that's going to occur or if like, Sony I mean, doesn't Microsoft, everybody Nintendo. have WhatsApp. I mean, it depends on if they can connect outside of their country, I guess. And then it depends on how many people have like VPNs and such as well, because like they could still connect via Twitter and um, yeah, that's true. You know, Facebook, if they have a VPN. But I just wonder, like, how much of this for like the everyday individual who doesn't have a VPN or doesn't have WhatsApp or whatever, maybe or can't connect outside, like can they connect via like voice communications in video games or are Sony Microsoft can say, you know, we're not going to support anything now. Like that's their next step. I, I wonder what their next step is. Do we, you know, we've already shut down their ability to buy digital games. Do we shut down firmware updates? Do we shut down accessibility to their servers? Like what's the next step here and, and what's their end goal? I wonder if this is going to mean a greater influx of PS fives to the rest of the world. Uh-huh. Maybe no more no. PS fives for Russia. <laughs> That's so bad. But I mean, I could see that happening. Hopefully you know. this whole, you know, situation resolves as peacefully and as quickly as possible. That's all we can really hope for. And, you know, what, whatever, whatever they can do to try to get that to happen. I, I'm all for that. So more power yeah. to them. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, hopefully this ends peacefully and, you know, things, I don't think things will ever get back to normal, but yeah, hopefully it's a peaceful resolution here and it doesn't blow up in anything else. And, you know, this can get resolved. It's going to be a while I feel though. So, um, moving on right. to a crossover people are looking forward to. Yeah, potentially. So, uh, Mario Kart X leaked by Nintendo insider, uh, so this is Tyler Fisher, comic.com. We just got Tyler on one of these days. Be like, give us a scoop like right here on the spot because we reference you a lot. So apparently there is word that Nintendo views that Mario Kart circuit game that released, which is like RC cars, essentially, that kind of can connect to your switch and whatnot. And you just kind of make tracks around your house. Apparently oh. some folks 
inside Nintendo's see that is Mario Kart 9. Well, they also did the mobile game. I heard that they thought maybe the mobile game was Mario Kart 9. Either of those could technically be Mario Kart 9 if you really think about it. Maybe so, they both were half a game. So that and then counts. they made one. Yes. So one was Mario Kart 8.5 and the other one was Mario Kart 8.5 redux over 365 days. Yeah. To equal out to nine or whatever, <laughs> however the hell that works out. And um, yeah, that's how you get your nine. But so the math works, right? It kind of. So some people see that as being like Mario Kart nine, which means the next iteration of Mario Kart would be Mario Kart 10. And just hearing from this little bit of a leak, what they're looking at, they're looking at crossing it over with other areas. So it's kind of a soft reboot in that you're not going to see a lot of old tracks. You're going to see some new stuff. You'll see your original characters, but you're going to see some new characters, um, you know, a, a true crossover. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you're going to see Kirby. You're going to see, you know, solid. This Snake. is going to. No, we're not going to see solid. You're going to see this solid is going to be Come a on. giant smash roster this is i mean we already have inkling and link in mario kart 8 right is there anybody else uh i think we need solid snake in mario kart 10 okay well if if nintendo can pull off you know all the licensing stuff that they were able to pull off for smash i would say i think mario kart has sold more than smash i think mario kart 8's like probably the best-selling switch game of all time right I don't know, but it probably is it's given up that there. It's, it's Either audience. way, this is probably the only thing that they could have done to make even more people want to buy Mario Kart. Because, you know, there's some people out there that are like, I would play if there was more characters than just Mario characters. Think so about this. This Ryan. is going to change everything. The tracks are going to be way more interesting too. think about this. Solid Snake's special thing that he hits you with turns your whole cart into a box and you can only see through the slit of the box for a period of time so wait what kind of vehicle does snake have does he have a box on wheels or does he ride around in a metal gear rex i think he rides around in a metal gear rex cart see that's the one thing is like they're going to be able to do a lot of really creative things with uh you know i mean the characters are one thing but the carts i think are going to be an interesting take on other worlds and franchises i really want to see what kind of tracks and stuff they're going to do uh since they're i i think that stating that they're not going to see a lot of old tracks makes sense because they're literally releasing every old track like it kind of makes me think maybe this is the mentality moving forward for the next smash maybe this is going to set the precedence for that like smash ultimate has literally like everything from smash except for like a couple stages so when they eventually go on to make a new one they can say here's everything from all the old smashes that's still available we're going to soft reboot this we're going to make it so the next sakurai or whoever's going to work on this you know doesn't have a freaking aneurysm and die because he has to make a 150 character fighting roster or something insane you know yeah yeah so i think a, this is a i think a soft approach. reboot yeah i think a reboot is the right way to go here i don't think it's like necessarily innovative in nintendo right because it's the same model but it does kind of mix things up a bit it makes us a little more fresh of mario kart because we've seen the same approach every single go around so are we going to see characters from different franchises coming in here and i think that would be pretty badass uh, you know, a solid snake coming in, a Kirby. I don't see Sonic coming in because of like the Sonic racing. 
uh, would it make sense? But, you know, maybe Banjo-Kazooie pops in because Microsoft, you know, has that good partnership going on. So I think there's a multitude of things that they could do. And obviously, you know, it's not to say that Mario Kart hasn't had characters from like other franchises because you have had like Diddy Kong and such um, in prior games. But I just think at the end of the day, like this will give it a, a little bit better of an approach. You know, that soft reboot. But I, dude, I want to keep up with this. I want to see what happens in the long run on this title. And, and I it think said it's said, been in development for four years already. And so, the plan is a 2024 release, I think. Yeah. Is that, is that what it said? So yeah, that timeline, I mean, that's two years from now. Oh, that no, no. Mean... So they were saying um, Nintendo's preparing to hold the game until Nintendo Switch 2 releases. And there's rumors of that coming out in 2024. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So I've this would be that. a potential launch title. Yeah. Which would make sense. I mean, it would be a hell of a launch title for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. What if you had like Kirby sucks up different vehicles and shoots them out as like a projectile. And then when it hits the enemy, both spin out. That, that'd be pretty interesting. I mean, it's- nobody really has had individual mechanics like that in the racing game so far, it's always been like you, you might get like a special item, but that could be a really next level change too, is like maybe, maybe you have ways of interacting with other drivers or the course with just the character you chose. Like maybe, you know, Mario can throw a fireball once a lap or something independent of having an item. Yeah, maybe. Or Ryan, hear me out. Mario Kart Triple Dash. I'm no. just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All of them in a, a freaking warthog. Yeah. This from is Halo. Just... <laughs> somebody in the gunner's seat. Somebody shotgun. Four player battles that you can do. Oh, man. Dude, the possibilities are endless here. Uh, spaceships. Mario Kart with spaceships. would be great. Okay. Uh, keeping up with Nintendo here and... You know, kind of looking at 2024 here with the date that we were just provided and that potentially being a launch for this new console down the road, is Nintendo Switch about to hit its prime? And so that was uh, Joe Scrubbles at IGN that brought this one up. And um, it's actually through Yahoo Finance, oddly enough. So I guess it was like brought from IGN over to Yahoo Finance, kind of a weird transition there. But um, yeah, so I mean, dude, when you look at it... Oh, no, the IGN, sorry, I didn't change over who the... The writer was for the last article. Sorry, this Killing is me, Matt Smith at Yahoo Finance. Killing me, right? You see what he does to me, people? Like, he does this all the time. You sent me the article. You should have known who wrote it. Well, I don't really pay attention right off the bat who wrote the article. I read the contents in said article, uh, which is why I knew about this whole topic. Okay, so long story short here, uh, you've got... Back when the Switch released initially, you had Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Mario Rabbit, Splatoon 2. Great lineup. Like, there's no denying that that was a fantastic lineup. But is this lineup coming out better for 2022? You've already got Arceus that just came out. You've got Violet and Scarlet for Pokemon coming out late 2022. Uh, you've got Kirby coming out uh, at some point here soon in March. Breath of the Wild 2 is slated to potentially be released. Um You've got uh, Splatoon 3 is supposed to come out, a new Mario Rabbids game coming out, Bayonetta 3 might even come out. Uh, you know, th- there's a Hollow ton Knight of games Silk that are coming Song, out. Yeah, it, it's New crazy, Mario man. Strikers. Yeah, 
tons and tons of they stuff. They say like, Fall Guys. Are <clears> people <throat> still playing Fall Guys? I mean, that should have been on Switch day one. I don't know why they screwed that up. Oh, and, and then got, on top no of Man's that, Sky, maybe Metroid Prime 4. Maybe Metro Prime 4. Yeah, and like let's not forget Advance Wars, uh, Xenoblade oh, yeah, Chronicles yeah. 3, Nintendo Switch Sports, uh, all of these great games. Are, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg as far as what's coming out, man. There's so much crap coming out for them. And is this their prime? Like, is this the, the last like fantastic year of Nintendo Switch before we see things kind of go on a downward trend and then hype begin for this new console? I so, would say yes. Yeah. I would say this is going to be their best year. Yeah, I uh, I can't argue against that lineup. That's a killer lineup. I actually, it was funny. Once I started looking at this article, I went and checked out. Maybe this is a thing. Like, I know a lot of shows hit their stride in like season five. Like, if you watch like a lot of like syndicated sitcom television, by season five, they've achieved enough success that they've really got the budget to do some really interesting things uh, with their episodes by that time. And I mean, you know, video games are always expensive and it always takes a while to learn the hardware. So like, as you get further into the generation, the games get better and better, even though it's been the same console the whole time in theory, you know, it kind of changes a little bit, but I went back and looked at the Wii and I was like, okay, because the, the Wii U, that I don't even think that was out for five years. But, I don't think so. But the Wii, um, I was like, what did that have in year five? And the list starts out pretty strong. Ray, or, uh, the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword came out year five. Uh, Rayman Origins, which I think people liked. But then I realized, wait, this is the Wii. And it was just a bunch of shovelware garbage for the most part. It's It's hard to find like... All right, here's a really solid list for year five there. I think that this is just happenstance or things just lining up due to COVID delays behind timelines. I think this is too much good stuff to have like been planned to come out in one year. I think some of this stuff, they probably like Bayonetta 3, like this was announced so long ago. There's no way they didn't want this to come out sooner than this something some wrong things happen to make this all line up and i think coincidentally this is just going to be the year that people like barry have a really hard time <laughs> i like how you call it barry on that he's gonna he's gonna be on the struggle bus here of this lineup man yeah. so much good stuff but it's uh, a lot of good stuff i'm actually looking forward to so much of this and i usually don't look forward to a whole lot of day one games. Like I was really excited for Elden Ring. Like I was trying to remember the last time I was that excited for a game. I was really excited for Metroid dread, but not this excited. And before that, like the last really excited I was for a switch game was probably like animal crossing. Like yeah. it's been few and far between for me, but like, I think that, um, Kirby looks great. Mm -hmm. um, everybody says that the first Mario Rabbits was really good. And yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to just going straight to the second one because it's probably going to fill all the things that weren't the best about the first one. You can borrow mine. Um, There's a reason it's like $10 at Best Buy. Yeah, I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 a bit. 
so I'm not really excited for that. Silk Song, I'm unbelievably excited for. Zelda, I'm unbelievably excited for. Metroid Prime, I'm unbelievably excited for. These are all things that I would definitely pick up and play day one, assuming I beat Elden Ring. Yeah, eh, forget that. You know I'm never going to beat Elden Ring. No, no, you won't. Uh, yeah, dude, I agree. There's a lot of great stuff that's coming out, and I'm excited for the majority of it. Uh, after playing Arceus, I don't know if I'm going to get into Violet and Scarlet. <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I got to see a lot more about it. Yeah, I, I do need to play Breath of the Wild still. That's a game that has not been played yet. Um, but I will be starting Ocarina of Time here this week. So that's good news. Get excited and, about uh, that. Yeah, I can get excited about that one. Um, but yeah, what are you playing it on? N64. So I'll be hanging out in my loft every night moving forward to play that game. Nice. Should be pretty good uh but yeah there's a lot of great games on here i'm excited about strikers specifically yeah, yeah i want to play that really bad but all right that's that man let's uh jump into our inflation deflation for the week so pro wrestling on the nes it was developed by nintendo rnd3 mm-hmm. i feel like you're playing a trick on me sometimes when no. i see that one research and development three it's one i of know the arms i know of nintendo I know. Every time you put it there, though, I always think, like, what is Ryan doing to try and screw me up here? Is that a Star um, Wars character? <laughs> uh, published by Nintendo, uh, designed by Masato Masuda, and it was released in March of 1987. It is a sport fighting game. And so reception at that point in time, uh, it was given a high score of, it looks like 79 is what you wrote here. So, it, right? no, it, it was... It was pretty well received. So it was like the number one game for the first two months that it was released. And back in 2001, when IGN made their top 100 games of all time, they actually ranked it 79. 79, okay. That's really, I mean, this game was a lot of fun. I think that, you know, some of the reception was that this was one of the only wrestling games to simulate the act of wrestling like the bouncing off the ropes and like the holding down it wasn't like a fighting game where it was just like the other guy has a health bar you know and you just beat the health bar out of him like it was very um you didn't know really if you were gonna take somebody out right off the bat yeah it it was it had that drama that wrestling has like you get him down on the mat and then he picks you up and slams you and it's like you do so much like incredible moves and damage and and dancing around each other in the match and like even like there were some times where we would like get into the middle of the ring and kind of circle each other and like it looked really good like this game looked really good and like all the movements and stuff i really liked uh how this game played out and i think that you know 79th best game of all time maybe not i mean there was a lot less really good games of all time in 2001 i mean elden ring wasn't out they didn't know about that yet (laughs) um so 79 might be a little high now but i would say that this was a fantastic game i i enjoyed our time with this yeah man i i definitely enjoy kicking your ass in some wrestling it was fun Always, yeah. I think I hit you with a pile driver like four. Like there was a point where my character hit you with a pile driver like three times, and you got him. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I was doing so, good early, and then once you kind of figured out the controls, you just dominated me. Oh yeah, it was brutal. Like, yeah, there was no hope for Ryan. You did beat me one time, 
And I question how the hell that even happens. Um, like, it, I think it was mainly because it was a first match or kind of learning controls and whatnot, to your point. I knew how to grab before you did. Yeah, well, you knew how to slide into you ropes. with the merman. That was actually pretty hilarious where he kept biting me. And then I think my character, no, your character was doing the mandible claw multiple times. Which oh, yeah, the claw hand, yeah. Yeah, but once I got a hold of it, man, I was just like knees to the head, throwing you into the ropes, and it was great stuff. But, you know, the one thing we didn't figure out is if there was a way to get up on the turnbuckle. Yeah, I, I mean, I you could get out of the ring. You could throw people out of the ring. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of depth to, to it. Like, I'm always surprised going back and playing NES games just because I never really had much exposure to NES games. I always assume them to be more primitive than they are. Like, I was so impressed with River City Ransom the first time I played it. I was so impressed with Metal Storm the first time I played it. I was like, wow. The NES actually had a lot more high quality titles to offer than I thought of as a kid. I thought of like, you know, Mario one and duck hunt. Those are pretty, you know, in the grand scheme of NES games, pretty simple. And I thought most of it was that way. Well, and for every pro wrestling game, there is a Bayou Billy, unfortunately. God, <laughs> Bayou Billy, man. Well, to revisit that one, that actually wasn't too bad. It was so uh, hard. It was hard, but it was actually kind of entertaining. Um, so, yeah, man, I just my overall thoughts, I guess, on this game was graphics were great. The music was great. The gameplay was the great. music was great. I think it went through um, uh, what you call it. Like, I think it went through Japanese rules as far as wrestling is concerned. I don't know too much about that. Like the count out was up to 20. So I know most modern day wrestling, the count out is 10. But I think it, but Japan, it was Mario it's seconds. Well, Mario seconds true. I think, <laughs> but I think the legitimate count out in Japanese wrestling, I think, is twenty, if I'm correct. Um, but that said, gameplay it was a lot of fun, dude. I wanted to sling you into the guardrails in the game. We didn't really get to do that just because the time constraints and stuff. But oh, we had a tie at some point. We both ended up counting out in one of our matches too, because we were just like, oh, well, it's counting us to past 10. So let's see how far we can get and hit us to 20 before we could get in the ring. So that was fun. Uh, but I like how each character had their own individual specials. They all had their own individual background, their own strengths, which is of course what you want in a wrestling game. And, you know, I thought the ability to throw your opponent into the ropes and you run into the ropes as well and clothesline them and all these other cool things. Like that's not something I expected from this game. And mm -hmm. it kind of took me by surprise playing it for the first time. So I really did enjoy it. And uh, I think this is one that you can get a group of buddies around and just kind of sit back and play some old pro wrestling on the NES and actually have a good time. Um, so with all of that, the price of this game, brass tax complete in box, you're looking at 74.97 for a, I think it's a three screw, but I'm going to double check on Ryan's uh, yeah. search here. Yeah. So I put the, yeah. Okay. You three got screw right. and the five screw just for like, what the current price is now i didn't put all the details for them yeah all so good. i assume the peak in the trending is just for the three screw which is what you have right uh yeah i've got a three screw for this game i don't have five screw uh so yeah it was so funny on that one ryan was asking me why i had multiple copies like hogan's alley and other stuff and i pulled both of them out and i was like look at the back he was so confused just looking at it like what I am I looking at? I think you showed at? me this once before, but I think it was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know that one. Dude, just wait until we get into like different uh, Nintendo labels 
<laughs> like that's even worse. So seventy four ninety seven on three screws, sixty nine forty seven on a uh, five screw, peaked at ninety two sixty nine February twenty two on the uh, three screw. It is trending downwards now. A loose copy three screw will run you seven ninety nine, five screw will run you eight sixty four. That peaked at ten forty one in February of twenty twenty. It is trending very up and down. So it may go back down according to Ryan. Uh, so I'm assuming there's peaks and valleys on this. Yeah, one. that They're one's like every other month is like up or down two dollars. So I mean, it's like that's you an interesting get it for like ten bucks or seven bucks. That's an interesting fluctuation in price for mm-hmm. a game like that. Uh, but I am looking at this from a rating standpoint, of course, as we always do, from inflated to deflated to just right. I am going to say. I think this game is deflated at $7.99. I think 10 bucks is a great price point, which we've seen at the peak. I don't think it's too much. I think there's enough enjoyment you can get out of here for 10 bucks. I mean, we played 30 minutes the other day and had a ton of fun. Could we have tried all the other characters and done our own little tournaments and played arcade mode and all that? We could have. And I think it would have been worth 10 bucks at that point. Yeah, I think that... Um... Price wise, this is, you know, definitely worth $7.99. It's worth more than that. So I'm going to say, you know, it is deflated there. Um, Complete in box. This is one of like the classic black box NES games. And I think that those designs are always really good. And I particularly do like the cover of this one. So, I mean, if you're somebody who's into collecting, you know, old box games, I think this is one of those ones that's kind of worth going for. Like, I mean, do you think that those black box NES games are generally, you know, more desirable because they kind of have that same uniform look? They're like these classic set of titles. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, that's some of the first box you know, NES games that people will try and buy is like those those black ones just because of how sleek they are and putting them next to like a Rob the Robot is always a nice little display. So, yeah, I mean, I like when they got that sleek look to them in their uniform. I will say, though, um, a box only right now, it says that it's currently running 2876. A manual is running 1750. So piecemeal this one, you know, if a loose copy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't get it. Like why buy a complete in box version at 7497? when it's going to cost you like 50 bucks. I think people just don't think about it or uh, I don't know, maybe the sales aren't as recorded on some of those other things. Maybe it's easier to get into like a bidding war instead of a buy it now. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I mean, like it doesn't always, you know, it don't always hit the market. Like it looks like the last ones to hit the market here were there's been two so far sold this year, just a box only. One of them was 42 bucks with the, the, the hang tab and then the other one was like 15 bucks and if i look at the one that was 15 bucks let's see the condition of this one looks like it was acceptable uh i mean honestly that's not that bad of condition for the box like i would buy that and be happy with it so yeah i think it's just kind of up to the person and and what they're looking to do and if they're willing to kind of wait for that box to come up and buy it or if they just want to you know buy a complete in box right off the bat so like maybe the, that complete in box price is inflated. So, I mean, if you could actually put together a complete in box 
copy of this for like 50 bucks yeah don't do it then i would say that that would definitely be worth your money as opposed to like even over buying like a brand new game that you know is going to drop down to 30 bucks in two years yeah and like in my instance like i picked up i think i have a, a manual for this game so for me if i want to complete a box i just gotta buy you just know, the box the box and then whatever insert i think there's an insert usually for these i can't remember no there isn't not on nes games that i recall so like and like super nintendo has like the white box that sits on side and the cartridge kind of sits in there none of my complete box nes games have like anything like that it's just always just kind of stuck in there yeah yeah so all right well that was a lot of fun to play for sure uh god i kind of want to play another nintendo game like this or like another wrestling game Mm, let's stay away from the wrestling a little bit but i'm I'm down for some more nes fun time more nes okay we'll look at some more nes fun time uh so i don't know what we'll play maybe we'll do the same thing next week we'll just mystery pick on the wall mystery pick and see where we land on it and hopefully it's not about you billy yeah yeah hopefully have some fun with it all right well i enjoyed talking about this but uh we gotta end the episode ryan unfortunately unfortunately goodbye viewers goodbye Goodbye. yeah we should just end the episode right there uh so this has been episode 173 of a game of players podcast my name's john i'm ryan and thanks for listening